Thank you for listening to Holding the High Line. Hello, Rapids fans. This is Holding the High Line with Rabbi in Red. We are sponsored by Icarus FC and Roughneck Scarves. The USMNT lost, but still qualified for Qatar and were assigned to a group alongside our former Imperial Overlords England, our former CIA client state Iran, and a team to be named later. Either some uh, pleasant lads with a penchant for bagpipes, meat pies, caber tossing, and kilts, aka Scotland, a country within another country that spells every town with three pairs of double L's and four Y's, aka Wales, or Ukraine, a team that, should we face them, will just reduce everyone into a bawling, crying mess of overwhelming emotion. I'm joined by a man who is not Matt Pollard for the first time in many years, but instead by a real live actual working sports writer, complete with corduroy jacket, fedora, and cheap cigar, Brendan Ploen. Is it pronounced Ploen, Brendan? It's Ploen, uh, Ploen. you know, it's better than Brandon. I get, I used to get Brandon all the time. I'm like, you know what? It's Brendan, guys. But Ploen, Ploen, it's all good. Happy to be here. Great. Uh, we are really glad to have you on board, especially since Matt's not here and me talking to Zoom by myself gets really, really strange. Um, I, you know, you are sort of like uh, both one of the newer members of Rapid Soccer Media Universe, which is uh, a fun thing by itself, but also kind of like one of the most forceful voices out there because of the platform that you you get on, which is uh, you write for the Denver Post. What was your soccering background before this? What was your sports writing background before this? Well, before this, I was uh, actually down in Durango for two years. I reported uh, down there as at the Durango Herald and covered everything from whitewater rafting, mountain biking, cycling, huge cycling town, uh, college hoops, you name it. Durango was a great spot to start my journalism career. Um, but before that, you know, I've kind of always just been in love with soccer. Um, even from, you know, the, my earliest memories of the, of the 2002 World Cup, I remember waking up super early and instead of Sports Center that morning, it happened to be the O2 World Cup in Korea and Japan. I was like, okay, it combined everything that I loved about, you know, flags, maps, uh, soccer, everything all in one. I'm like, okay, this is the greatest sporting event in the, in the world. And I was hooked from there. I mean, I was, you know, first grade at the time, but I just knew. Um, and then, you know, I played throughout high school. Uh, Where you know, did you right grow up? You grew up in Durango? No, sorry. I grew up in Chicago. Um, nice. So, how did yeah. you get? Wait, how did you get to Durango? Oh, I'm getting there. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah. So I grew up in Chicago, and you know the fire were big and all that kind of stuff. Went to school at Marquette University in Milwaukee, and spent four years there. Um, two years on the newspaper covering again track and field, soccer basketball you know it's you know huge hoops town George, box Wayne and six Wade. box and six d wade yep um so yeah after after graduating i was looking for jobs you know hoping to find a, a metro paper but the opening in durango came up and one of my friends told me about it and i i kind of just did a bit of research and it seemed too good to be true. <laughs> I mean, that place is 
you know, everything from the hiking to the, uh, you know, rafting and um, all that stuff. And I knew that I wanted to move out of the Midwest as much as I love Chicago and Wisconsin. I know I can always go back there, but I mean, the mountains called me. And so, uh, yeah, I spent, uh, I applied for the Durango job, got it. And um, in Durango, it was me and John Livingston, my editor at the time, and we were a two-man band. If you And if you know that part of the state, uh, it is quite, you know, expansive. It's massive. It's a huge area to cover. And so we were covering preps, um, colleges, and um, everything in between. And so, yeah, especially for a two-man desk, um, it was a lot of work, but... It was so much fun. Such That's a great, great spot to start my career. So yeah, the only way and I, then I moved up to Denver last year. Yeah. So yeah. I know that state that part of the state because I lived in Taos, New Mexico. Oh um, yeah. So if you really wanted to take the drive and try some other, some lighter, drier powder. Um, and and you know, they always got a lot of snow up in Wolf Creek. So that mm-hmm. was kind of the legend that it was a it was a great place. Um so you were how many years in Durango? Two years. So I graduated wow. Marquette in 2018. Um, you know, two years. Pandemic happened. Uh, <laughs> the paper, it, you know, what's the pandemic happened? The paper kind of panicked. And uh, needless to say, it was like, yeah, we got to cut staff. It was like, wait, what? Literally, we're like, the paper, it wasn't even like a month in. It was like, okay, come on, guys, really? Yeah. So, yeah, so I got the axe, unfortunately. Um, you know, so, so I kind of hung out in Durango for until last year and then in, oh, not last year as in, well, I guess that would have been 2021. So, or 2020. So yeah, August of 2020 moved here and then started doing freelance work for the post, um, shortly thereafter. And then last year, you know, kept on doing, uh, prep work and yeah. So now I've, I've moved full circle and where I want to be is covering pro soccer. So, so exciting. Have, is your beat now only soccer? Is it, do you cover still preps? Are you doing uh, all like, like all the major prep sports? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, you know, wherever they need me, um, whether it's, so I wasn't able to make the um, sporting Kansas city game because state hoops was that weekend. And yeah, yeah. Chassa. So you know, normally I'd be like, of course I want to cover the Rapids, but it's also like, I'm a hoops junkie too. So I'm like, all right, it's one game. And, uh, <laughs> people, fans were not pleased that I'd missed one game. I'm like, all right, I know guys I'm covering, trying to do as much as I can. Um, because in addition to preps, I also want to cover, you know, the whole Colorado soccer scene because there's the, the open cup. Um, there's the U S women's national team which has got five women from Colorado on them. Um, the NWSL, which I think currently is like 15 players uh, from Colorado. Yeah, it's a lot. It's crazy. So, yeah, I just want to expand the coverage as much as I can. So um, That is fantastic. It is, it's really great to have someone who is passionate about soccer working for the post. They've always had kind of a mix of folks who – and I always like that. I always, I always like being in the press box at a Rapids game or in any sport with 
you know, I, I always divide the sports writing world into kind of two universes. The people who are hardcore for the sport that you're in attendance for. Well, actually, there's mm-hmm. three universes. People who are like, you know, like me, who only write about soccer. Like, I don't write about any other sports. I, I could, but I wouldn't do a very good job. Um, once upon a time at the Post, um, Daniel Boniface, who was the editor there for a while, asked me like, hey, we're, you know, we don't, we don't really need a soccer writer but would you be interested in covering college football? And I was like, no, (laughs) that doesn't doesn't sound interesting at all. You know, I don't, I mean, I find it, I find it, I would find it to be very difficult to even write about it because I just don't have the passion for it or the lingo. But then there's, then there's people who are not like me, not hardcore soccer writers, but hardcore sports writers in that they're talented at covering everything Um, And then there's my favorite was um, there's always a few people in a press box who really don't want to be there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) They've been assigned. We had in my time with the Rapids, I've seen the Rockies beat reporter thrown in for a game because he had Mm -hmm. to. I've seen the hockey guy thrown in for a couple games because he had to. Mm -hmm. I've seen I've seen the actually that guy was the athletics hockey guy. Um, the, The guy who used to cover the Rapids back in like probably oof, it was a long time ago like 2016 2017 was a guy named john meyer who mm-hmm. is uh, oh he's the outdoors guy right yeah, yeah all he really wants to cover is skiing all he ever wanted <laughs> to talk about was skiing and we would ask him like hey so what do you think i think the rappers are doing and he'd be like i don't know man hey next week i'm up in Vail for the world championships and i'd be like that's great i don't know what you're talking about you know and right. i'm here i'm a pretty good skier but like you know once you get past Lindsay vaughn i don't really uh, I don't really know what's going on in, 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 but it was always fascinating that there were people who, um, you know, I'm up in a press box and I think like, this is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I get to be at a soccer game. I don't even have to pay. And all I have to do is either write or take photos. This is amazing. And there exactly. are other guys, and there are other guys up in that press box who are just like, man, this is just my job. I'm so bored. You know what I mean? Like they're, they're not happy to be there. I, I find it fascinating, but I really appreciate it because Good writing is good writing, no matter how. Right. I mean, yeah, for those of us that really appreciate the beautiful game, like it is the beautiful game for all of us. So and for others, it's not, which is fine. You know, (laughs) each their own. I'm not judging, but yeah. So um, shoot. I don't know, man. It's been a crazy start to the beat already. Yeah. And I already I took over in December and right away, you know, it was like. They signed uh, Abubakar from the crew. That was the first one. And then... Abubakar yeah. Oh, yeah, Abubakar sorry. And then every, everything else in January just snowballed from there. Yeah. I was like, okay, all right, welcome Max, to the rapid feed. They crazy, crazy offseason. And now that we're in the thick of things, it's like, all right, this is... I love it, so... Right. Um, they also signed Max Elvis at that time. Yep. Um, you know, there were there were just a lot of players that came down in a very short order. And I think that that's always, um, you know, it's interesting because that time of year is always kind of like that, where um, you we just get kind of hit with lots and lots and lots of information all at once. And you have to kind of digest it or figure out, you know, what to do with it um, overall. So, yeah, it's a it's a great. Uh, it's a great segue. But with that, and speaking of the fact that you cover the USMNT and the USWMNT in addition, like we've had a pretty interesting uh, past couple of days. Last week, the U.S. men's national team in a 2-0 loss to Costa Rica in Costa Rica qualified 
for the World Cup in Qatar. They were subsequently dropped into pot two based on their um, overall um, uh, quotient. Um, uh, their, I'm trying to remember the name of that. The, I think it's called the ELA score, um, but I'm, I'm, um, I'm maybe mis slightly misremembering exactly the, how that's titled. But, um, and based on that, they were slotted in against um, England, who are in pot one, uh, Iran, who I think are a pot four team, mm -hmm. and the, the winner of two sets of playoffs because of the war in Ukraine between Ukraine and Russia, Ukraine's matches were all pushed off to June. And so they have to play a first round game against Wales. And then the winner of that match will take on Scotland to see who goes on to the World Cup. Um, first of all, Brendan, any thoughts on the Costa Rica game uh, from the U.S. team? What did you see? What did you want to see? Were you, were you worried at all by the fact that they couldn't handle business down in Costa Rica? I mean, slightly. You know, I, we all know that they've never won down there. It's, <laughs> it's a hard place to win. And once, you know, Costa Rica got their second, I was like, oh, gosh, how much is it going to snowball? Can they contain it? Um, but, you know, they did they did they did the job um, overall. I mean, to look at the qualifying as a whole from the way that they started with that nervy game in uh, Honduras, you know, to the way they finished. I mean, shoot. After after where we were in uh, the U.S. were in 2017, like, yeah, I'll take that any day of the week. Um, they got the job done. They've got, uh, you know, how many ever months to go to get some guys back to fitness like Weston. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. But I mean, that draw, I think, is a really balanced draw. So, yeah. Uh, you've got an England team that are absolutely loaded with um, excited, talented players, but also players who are kind of like, a, I don't know if that's going to be good enough at the World Cup level. You know, you, mm -hmm. you mm -hmm. have to assume that the strikers are going to be Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling, who are right. you know, as exciting and as talented as almost any striker pairing in the world when you get to the midfield it's a few more questions in terms of like is there enough quality to get it done with guys like jordan henderson mm -hmm. uh james ward prouse um and then that back line you've got ari mcguire and john stones luke shaw um tyrone mings and a few other big question marks at that point um uh gareth southgate did some really wonderful things with this team at the last uefa uh championships but then you've got a, a, you know, I don't know that the team is is really as strong as necessarily some of the really top flight teams that are always, always, always uh, juggernauts in the World Cup. You know, I'm not, mm -hmm. I'm not sure England is quite on par with Brazil or Argentina um, uh, or perhaps uh, Germany, who are always kind of trouble. On the flip side, you've got a couple of, you know, perennial juggernaut teams who are either you know, coming off of a, a weaker year, including Argentina, who I think have some question marks, mm -hmm. uh, Mexico, who really for the first time in a really long time, didn't, didn't roll through the hex or not this case, the octo yeah. uh, dominating the octo, everybody. Yeah. And then but, lastly, you've got teams that are just not there at all. Like, mm -hmm. um, 
Sorry about that. I'm getting a spam okay. call from Kenyon City. Um, <laughs> um, you know, you've got teams like Italy who are not going to be there at all. Right. And so right, those right. are those are big questions. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts on the the kind of the rest of the pool? Um, I, I would I would ask you questions about the Iranian national team, but I'm going to assume, like me, you know nothing about the Iranian national team. I mean, I just did a little bit of quick research. I mean, I think we should ask Stephen Betashore about them. <laughs> he used to play for them. That's a great question. Uh, There's you an know, article. You've got an article coming up. Just save it till October. Right, right. Uh, I mean, let's see here. So I, I did a quick uh, research on, on them. And, you know, they won 13 out of their last 15 throughout the Asian World Cup qualifiers. They've got a group of guys in their mid to upper 20s. So, you know, vets, so to speak, of going through that World Cup qualifying process. So will that translate to the World Cup? I don't know. I mean, I think it easily could. Right. And um, we don't know who that, you know, that that fourth place playoff team will be because, but either way, it's going to be, as you said, Mark, it's going to be extremely compelling because, you know, Scotland, they haven't appeared at a World Cup since 1998. Uh, Wales, they have not appeared at one since 1958. Well, and, you know, obviously Ukraine, they'd be the feel good story of the whole tournament, regardless of what happens. Um, and, you know, they'd probably be ready to come to play for sure. And so, yeah, I mean, it, that that England game man, like you might as well just start lining up at, at the, at the bar or Mark in your case, you guys are hosting a party as I saw you tweet out, yeah, right. Uh, you know, get there early because that's going to be must watch TV. I mean, that midfield battle is going to be something else. Yeah. That Between... game is scheduled to take place at two o'clock in the afternoon, according to this and in, in, in uh, Eastern, right? Eastern, yeah. Right. So for you, it'll be at a, it'll be at noon, which is, and it'll be on, um, well, sorry, that's the first game is scheduled yeah. to be, according to this, two o'clock Monday, November 21st, which means I will be leaving work early, uh, no matter what <laughs> they say. Like, hey, Mark, we're in the middle of a meeting. I don't care. There's a World Cup right. and a U.S. game on. Um, exactly. But that that um, that that U.S. England game is supposed to take place on Friday. And I would assume mm -hmm. the timing is going to be similar, which means most of America will be home and there'll be nothing on. Yeah, it's Black Friday, like the day after Thanksgiving, like you know hey it's it's that's got to be a gold mine for fox and the tv execs of the world yeah so it's great and it'll be it'll be such a good game and hopefully god willing mm -hmm. um you know if the u.s plays well enough against what i think everyone acknowledges are the lower end of that you know the must win game is over against iran and right. then you've got to beat wales ukraine or um or scotland whoever it is that that um, first game is yeah that's going to be against the playoff qualifier right but then you've got i mean the england game you want to win it for pride but i think it you want to put yourself in a position ideally where you don't have to win that game you know because mm -hmm. it's england you 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 know that they're going to come um very very strong and and it's going to be a very difficult game um, for the U.S., you know, from from the the anecdotal evidence I see from uh, media, it looks like the English are basically saying they got the easiest path through because America is team cupcake and they don't have to worry about any of these teams at all. And boy, pride goeth before a fall, doesn't it? Right. Like that's right. Hubris they got rolling on them. <laughs> I mean, look what happened in 2010 when they had that easy uh, headline in, in South Africa and, you know, they struggled to get out of the group. 
So, right. uh, yeah, I mean, personally, I guess from like a positional standpoint, I think the U S has the better goalkeeping, uh, pool. Well, yeah. Um, you, back line, I'd probably at this point, I'd give that to, um, probably to England. Um, midfield, I really do think it's like, could, you know, flip a coin 50, 50. I mean, the way Weston and Tyler just, I don't know, help the team get from back to front is massive and it'll be a tough ask for sure, but yeah, who knows? And then I'd say England probably is the better striker set, uh, you know, front three or so between them, but obviously the u.s on their day if they can find out finally figure out that number nine role you know who knows what can happen i mean i think they can stick with them for sure yeah obviously it's you know we're months away there's going to be a lot of you know uh moves for for guys possibly switching from the u.s to to europe maybe in the summer or injuries or a host of things can happen between now and that game. So, but right now, I think the U S has enough to at least get a point and possibly even steal all three. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the U S looks pretty, pretty decent for getting out of the group. We'll probably, you know, I'll, I'll review it more with Matt when we get way closer, much down, but before we move on um, to major league soccer, uh, let's just uh, fill out the finish out talking about the World Cup, um, especially as it applies to our Colorado Rapids. I think mm-hmm. you bring up a great point about Stephen Bateshore maybe having unlikely but possibly a shot at being called in to the Iranian national team, which would be kind of an amazing thing. Um, you know, of course, former Colorado Rapid, Kellen Acosta feels like a pretty good lock for this team as kind of the veteran defensive midfielder for the U S who can also fill in as a fullback if you need him. And that's, that's kind of a useful Swiss army knife kind of situation for him. Um, but if you look down, you also see in group F uh, team Canada, was mm-hmm. drawn into a group with Belgium, Croatia, and Morocco, and Colorado Rapids midfielder Mark Anthony K will almost certainly be, you know, uh, as long as he's healthy, of course, um, with that team uh, for that uh, for that for those matchups. Uh, and and I think uh, in other um, notable Concacaf news, they're going to be in Group E. Costa Rica has to win a one-game playoff against New Zealand in order to make it into a group with Germany, Japan and Spain, which some people are already calling the proverbial group of death. I would agree. That one looks really, really tough to me. Although mm-hmm. for me, I think the, 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 the group that is most intimidating and maybe the most exciting um, game to watch is group C where our fellow CONCACAF brethren, Mexico have been drawn into a group with Argentina, Poland, and Saudi Arabia, that feels like the little group of death in that Argentina, Mexico, and Poland are always juggernaut teams, really hard to beat. Um, And Poland will be starting um, uh, Robert Lewandowski, uh, who is always, uh, you know, right on target and and, uh, 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 an absolutely unstoppable striker, even as he reaches his, his more senior years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah, Group C for sure is just a bear. I mean... Man, oh man, that's going to be a slugfest. Um, And then, yeah, Canada, I mean, shoot, we know how 
they can play. And I think they've got it in them to surprise a few, te- few teams. Yeah. Um, they should be able to hang with Morocco, Croatia, you know, they're obviously talented, but getting a bit older. And then Belgium, they open up against uh, Canada in that first game. And on Friday, I actually talked to Mark Anthony Kay in a media availability. And he said, you know, he thinks it's an amazing opportunity to play a world-class team in Belgium. You know, he's like, quote, you can't be dissatisfied with who we got in our group. I think we have to look at it as a real opportunity to make another statement on the world stage. And, uh, you know, knowing John Herdman and how he has led that team, shoot, I don't see why not. Yeah. This Belgium team is a little older. There are just a lot of guys here who've been hanging around for the last four or six years. Mm -hmm. Um, Dries Mertens, Aiden Hazard, Christian Benteke, Michi Bacuay, Divock Origi, these are names that we've seen for a few years. They're not like newer, younger guys. There are some newer, younger guys in the midfield. But of course, the, the biggest name on this team is going to be Kevin De Bruyne with uh, Manchester City. So I think they've got a lot of star power, but there's also a lot of questions for Belgium about like, who are they going to bring, um, which we'll talk about more. But let's get to Major League Soccer before we spend this whole time Do it. turning ourselves into an international um, podcast. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, uh, Colorado Rapids friends we um had a game this past weekend against real salt lake our dreaded rivals from just up north um the match ended in a 1-1 draw uh earlier on in the match the colorado rapids had the better part of possession and control and got the first five shots um a pair of shots with diego rubio won a right-footed volley that went well over the top of the uh, net in about the 11th minute. Keegan Roseberry had had a really nice drive down the right side at the 15th minute, which was uh, sucked up right into the goalkeeper's um, uh, uh, pause without any difficulty. Um, a few minutes later, Jonathan Lewis had a chance, but uh, muffed it and, and shanked it well off to the side. And then, of course, to close out the first half, the Colorado Rapids had a... Uh, play by Justin Merrim dribbling into the left side of the box where uh, it looked like he got uh, tangled up a little bit momentarily ball to ball with uh, one of the Colorado Rapids players. Um, One of the Rapids stuck out a foot uh, and then pulled it back immediately. It's unclear. I will say politely It is unclear whether uh, Merrim made any real contact with the Rapids players foot. I can't remember who it was, by the way, Um, uh, but Keegan. Oh, yeah, it was Rosenberry. Thank you. Um, but uh, Merrim went down in a heap. Ted Uncle blew the whistle. Uh, the game, uh, upon check of the VAR, no change was made. Pablo Ruiz stepped up and took the penalty. And um, in their first shot on goal in the entire game, uh, Real Salt Lake uh, took a one nothing lead into the half. Garbage rained down on the field. Um, and the... Uh, Colorado Rapids went off to the break down a goal shortly thereafter in the second half, uh, Rosenberry and Rubio both got a few more chances before, um, Keegan Rosenberry lifted a nice pass through the line that ended up softly on the foot of Michael Barrios. Barrios slotted a beautiful curling ground cross right to the far back coast uh, post where he found the suddenly arriving and surprisingly arriving since he's a center back, Lalas Abubakar at the back right, back left post. Abubakar 
tucked it home neatly for his first goal of 2022. The rest of the game was a bit choppy. Um, Both teams started to slow things down. The Rapids had a lot of opportunities um, getting after Abubakar's uh, 1-1 drawing goal, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight shots, um, none of which found the back of the net. The whistle was blown and we went off with a 1-1 draw. Um, Brendan, this is your first Rocky Mountain Cup as a professional. I think it's probably your first Rocky Mountain Cup as a human, but um, yes, definitely your first Rocky Mountain Cup as a as a sports uh, writer in, in Denver. Um, what were your takeaways from the game? Honestly, the atmosphere was really good. Uh, you know, 15 minutes before you could just tell it was, yeah, people got there early. Um Although I did hear there was a fair amount of, uh, you know, security issues with people arriving a bit later, but despite all that, um, you know, match wise, I mean, it was just really strong first half from the Rapids um, came out on the front foot right away. I mean, yeah, Diego Rubio, he wanted it. Um, And he had what, seven shots in the game, I think. And probably could have finished one or two um to be fair you know again it's it's the way that the team how the team creates chances it's just abundant in in the way that they just find whether it's keegan uh down bombing down the right flank or barrios just cutting in um they just find a bunch of ways to create chances and this game they didn't have it but I mean, atmosphere wise, um, back to the atmosphere wise, it delivered. Um, and honestly, if I have not heard a fan base like that angry over a penalty decision in ages. Mm-hmm. And then in the second half to be that elated to find the, the equalizer from someone like Lalas, who is, you know, I mean, the way that he held off his defender on that and, mm-hmm. uh, slid in anyways i mean it was it was impressive so yeah overall and then the after that the atmosphere picked up again i thought okay surely they'll they'll find an equalizer a go-ahead goal but didn't happen but still you know overall a really strong first uh, rocky mountain cup experience for me and we'll see uh hope to be part of many more in the future so yeah. I like what you I like what you said about them creating chances. I think one of the things that um, we Rapids fans and uh, coverage uh, junkies like to get caught up in is, and especially on Twitter with the with the fan base, that we don't have a striker. We didn't get a DP. We're not finishing our chances. Oh, woe is me! This guy is falling. Blah blah blah. But I think um, you're spinning it into a silver lining, which is this team under Robin Frazier gets a lot of chances. Um, what are, what's a, what do you think is your overall sense of how they produce chances at such a, a, a high rate, um, based on your experience as a, as a guy who knows a little bit about soccer, like what, what are they doing right that, that gets them down the field successfully? Well, I'd say the way that they just connect back to front. I mean, Mark Anthony K does a great job. Um, yeah, Jonathan, Johnny Lewis, um, has been efficient. Um, I mean, Lucas has been a strong wing back for sure. Mm-hmm. And Keegan as well to help support the, on the flanks. And then, yeah, I mean, wh- when they do create chances, 
it's just because guys just, I don't know, it, it looks like almost instinctive where guys like to run, whether yeah. it's near post, back post, like Diego Rubio. Yeah, huge just engine. Um, he was making all kinds of dangerous runs, and that's just the way that he is. But Michael Barrios, too, looked especially strong again. I mean, shoot. The thing is, with Barrios, he creates so many chances. And he's got, yes, he's got three assists, but it could easily be like six at this point. Yeah. <laughs> if the Rapids could finish off their, you know, if, if they can finish off their chances. And, and Frazier has said, he said it after Houston, you know, we're doing a good job of keeping um, them un- under pressure and, um, you know, starting off the games very strong. Mm-hmm. And it's just about maintaining that um, motor the whole game. So, yeah. I think for me, my good thing from this game uh, was that despite, I mean, for a small chunk of the game, the Rapids were um, down a goal, but overwhelmingly um, the score was tied throughout the match. And usually what that will in a normal soccer game, that'll should result in something like 50, 50 possession, the Rapids beat Salt Lake on possession 61 to 39. And so for me, my good thing is that this team seems to produce a ton of possession, um, hold on to the ball, especially at home. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially in this match, they, they approached the game on the front foot the entire time. They f- seemed like a team that knew that they could possess the ball, move the ball around uh, and, and get themselves into the corners to make the crosses in such a way that they would not open themselves up uh, on transition if they mm-hmm. lost the ball in, in, in a way that would get um, Salt Lake to kind of challenge them. Did you have, uh, I mean, I think your bad thing was probably what everybody's bad thing is every week, which is the finishing wasn't there. Um, any other thoughts on, on a bad thing from, from this game? Um, bad thing. Um, I don't know if it's a bad thing, but um, I asked Robin about the one substitution when, you know, when they were, uh, Tied 1-1, 84th minute, Shinyashiki came on. And I asked him, what were your thoughts kind of after the two-week break, you know, only not really taking guys off. And he's like, Mm -hmm. they just looked constantly like they were going to score. So I didn't want to remove them because they, they were so dangerous in the final third. And so when he finally did make the change, it was like, all right, maybe this probably could have came at like the 78th minute or, you know, um, given Shinishiki a bit more of a, a, of a go, but um, like tactically it seemed fine. Um, only one change from the last time out when uh, Steven Bejor replaced Lucas Estebis, or at least that was down in Houston. Mm-hmm. Um, so vice versa, but yeah, I mean, you know, strong group, um, but I guess not really a bad thing. It was was just kind of like, okay, you know, when's that sub going to come? And it, you know, it only came in the 84th minute and only one of them. So, yeah, for me, my, my bad thing is that, um, and I, this is a, a sort of a recurring thing to keep our eye on, which is that when Michael Barrios is very involved, when he's kind of the, the pivot that everybody sends the ball to, mm-hmm. it seems to be, and I've never really made this comment before, and I'm maybe, maybe it's so obvious that, like, uh, it, 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 the reason I haven't made it before is that it, it wasn't worth making. But um, 
Jonathan Lewis is is not not very involved when Michael Barrios is the go to guy. Yes. Uh, it feels a little bit like you know something you'd see in a basketball game where you know if Kobe's taking over the game, then Shaq's kind of uninvolved and he's just kind of a, a decoy. And that I think was what happened in this game. Um, Jonathan Lewis had uh, was fourteen of nineteen on accurate passes, uh, only one key pass. He only generated one shot. It had an expected goals of 0.07 and he, you know, uh, blew it way over the the crossbar Um, in 32 touches. He was only dispossessed once, but overwhelmingly didn't really turn in a whole uh, a whole lot of of quality that that changed the game. I wonder if that's just, you know, they didn't give him the rock and that makes him a little bit less functional, but, um, or whether this is even a legitimate criticism at all, which is like when Barrios feasts, Lewis famines and and that's just how it's got to be you know but I feel like other soccer teams find a way to be threatening at all three forward positions Um, you know Rubio saw the ball a lot didn't do much with it Um, Barrio saw the ball a lot did some good things with it Lewis didn't see the ball much didn't do much with it and I think that that's a thing that we we want to we want to kind of develop any big things from you like a like a broad takeaway from a Rocky Mountain Cup I mean it's it's a um it's an okay result. Big thing. It's they should have gotten three points. They really should have. I mean, considering the lineup that RSL put out, I mean, there were a bunch of guys who were out injured. They didn't have Ochoa. They didn't have, or not Ochoa, um, David. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, they didn't have a bunch of their, their starters and, you know, for the, for the Rapids not to get all three points, um, it, it definitely has to sting a bit. Um, but again, it's still early days. Uh, they plant, there's plenty of more to go in the season, but, you know, just historically how, how they've worked at RSL, you know, on the road games don't typically go well there. So I personally feel like in order for the Rapids to, you know, uh, keep the cup, um, it's 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 it should have uh yeah led to all three points so yeah 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 no bobby wood no uh no uh nick beasler no right. a couple other play players they had rubio rubin on the bench but they didn't use them um yeah it's i think there's a lot of questions about whether this team is is really um is really good enough um but they they were fine and they they proved that they they gave the rapids uh, fits. I guess for me, my big thing, uh, I suppose, is a thing that you alluded to at the beginning, um, which is a problem we've seen recurring outside Dick Sporting Goods Park, which is fans have had consistent complaints all season about sport, uh, um, Dick Sporting Goods Park amenities, right? Mm. Once you get inside the stadium, a lot of people have complaining that the quality of food is lower than it's been before. Some of the independent operators who've operated food stands in the past, like um, GB's Jeez, fish yep. and chips aren't around. Um, and then this year, this, this past week, we saw some complaints about the fact that um, there just weren't enough people taking tickets and doing security at all of the entrances. So when everybody kind of lined up at 645 to get into the match, most of them didn't make it to their seats until 7.15 or 7.30. Mm. Um, you know, I, I am not telling our fans that they need to line up earlier because the Rapids need to do a better job of opening things up. But there is a secret to this, fans, which is 
um, you got to have a friend who is a season ticket holder on the other side. And you got to <laughs> know whether the gate entrances at the southwest corner, the east entrance, the west entrance, or there is a northwest entrance, which is not always open, um, whether it's um, whether it's faster or not. Um, but I think it, it is really frustrating as a Rapids fan to hear consistent complaints about the situation in the stadium on game day that um, it's a little understaffed, it's a little underprepared, it doesn't seem to be uh, quite spit polished. My experience has been spring games with the Rapids, they usually don't sell out for two reasons, overwhelmingly, over and over again. Reason number one tends to be um, the weather. People just don't want to come out when it's 45 and might rain or it's really windy. And reason number two is that spring soccer for young families usually means that uh, a lot of kids can't get out to games because they've been playing soccer all day long. That opens up a little bit when the weather gets nice in the summertime, uh, when people don't feel like going into the office uh, uh, extra on the weekends, you know? So I don't know, maybe, maybe the, the team kind of expected that and scaled things down and and didn't really, didn't really uh, bring out enough staff to, to work. Well, I don't know if there was, if it doubled, it might've doubled over as uh, an abs game that night. So I think Ah. they kind of KSC shares the same security um set up so i think few other i from what i have seen on twitter i believe there was a, another game that night which which made it just that much more difficult which is yeah. brutal because it's like you know yeah it's your rival you know fans want to get there early yeah and the fact that you know they probably missed 15 20 minutes of the game when rubio had those early chances when you hear the crowd making you know the noise from inside and you're still stuck outside it's like what the heck so who knows um hopefully i don't know um yeah the fans can i guess write me uh with whatever's going on <laughs> i mean i'm uh, i'm doing my mailbag my mailbag column this week so if you got any thoughts rapids fans uh, let me know so nice to that, we should uh, move to our preview of our upcoming game. Now that we're through the World Cup um, qualifying process, it's pretty much just gravy all here all, from here on out until you know we get some midsummer uh, opportunities for some tune-ups. But um, you know the Rapids will be taking on FC Dallas this coming week. Dallas, two wins, two draws, one loss in the early part of the season. Um, they have, uh, let's see, a 1-1 draw against Toronto, a 1-0 win over, a 1-0 loss, excuse me, to uh, New England, a 2-0 win over newly entered into the Western Conference Nashville, a 4-1 win over the perennially talented Portland Timbers, and um, uh, Shakiri's own uh, Chicago, are they still the fire? They're still the fire. They look, They're the, still the fire. The emblem, the emblem that they've changed now twice in the last two years is confusing. They got a nil-nil draw against them. Um, Brendan, what do you what do you think that you see in Dallas? Um, is is there anything about this team that uh, kind of gives you pause? Are you worried about them? Are you excited about them? Do you think they're a cupcake? Where are you at? Um, I think they're middle of the pack, like where they should be right now. Um, solid start to the season. Jesus Ferreira, you know, three goals and assists. Um, 
let's see, Brandon uh, Servina's got a, a couple assists. So, yeah, I mean, they've got some attacking prowess to them for sure. Um, I don't know if it's it's the Dallas of, of old where they have all these talented guys who are young and just hot prospects but can't put it together on the field. Mm-hmm. I feel like this year it, it might be a different Dallas team. So the Rapids certainly have to watch out for that. Um, and yeah, I mean, let's see here. It's, uh, standings wise. I mean, it's, it's a battle for, you know, to take control of, of the top three spot because they're both, uh, you know, on eight points. So it's a big game for sure. And, um, you know, last time out on the road, let's see here, the doubt, the, in Houston, Rapids conceded in the 90th minute, had a strong 89 minutes, uh, and just kind of let it slip away there at late. So um, obviously that was a couple of weeks ago, international break and all that stuff. So I'm guessing obviously they're going to have a new mindset into this week, but um, it is something to think about for, uh, you know, for this upcoming weekend, how will the defense fare on the road and will they be able to put some chances away? Yeah. I mean, I think a couple of things that are notable about FC Dallas, you said it nice, which is that Cervania and Jesus Ferreira are, are really the quality on this team, you know, but I think um, the two pieces that are, that are missing a little bit, um, you know, they had Ricardo Pepe and mm-hmm. without him they're um, they're definitely not quite as, you know, constantly threatening in the final third. Um, mm-hmm. And additionally, I think we've, been waiting for a while to see Paxson Pomacall come back from injury. He had a hip right. injury that uh, he was struck down with two years ago, and he spent most of last year kind of working his way back from that, getting onto the field, having a few like muscle injuries re- that might have been, you know, kind of lingering related things from recovery. Um, but he just wasn't up to speed, you know, and I think a lot of folks are, are hoping that he, for their team, is going to come back full strength. The, the last thing I'll say about FC Dallas. They have seven goals this year, six mm-hmm. of them from open play. Oh, uh, no set piece goals, no free kick goals. Um, th- that's an interesting kind of starter, which is that they're, they're all, they, they feel that flow. You know, they're all mm-hmm. about like getting into the game and, and getting things going. Um, if you're the Rapids, you may want to play ugly in order yeah. to get out of there with points. You may want to chop things up, foul a little bit, um, you know, force them to, to bend in crosses. Um, because that's not really their jam. I mean, Matt Hedges is a big guy, um, but I don't think he's a big goal-scoring threat in terms of going into the air, whereas Colorado for the last couple of seasons have always been set-piece champions, you know, a very difficult team to mark in the box, um, a very good team uh, when they break out, and of course they've got the uh, pinpoint laser-guided missile accuracy of uh, our friend and... and, uh, uh, frequent listener of this podcast. No, that's not true. Um, Jack Price. Uh, so that that's I think that's I think the thing that we're we're looking forward to. Um, mm-hmm. If I were going to kind of think about how the Rapids should come at this game, you have any thoughts about how they should uh, approach this one on the road? Honestly, if I'm Coach Frazier, I don't know. Like, I'd want to. I would not be timid. I, I'd want to go for it. I mean, I would. It, it, Considering how how the team looked last week, you know, so dangerous, but we're not able to 
you know, put a couple past RSL. Mm-hmm. Um, I would love to see Max out there or, you know, somebody with just that kind of pizzazz to help, you know, un- unlock the defense. Um, the Dallas's back line. Um, Mark Anthony Kays looked solid in, yeah. in the midfield. Um, Price has been, yeah, solid with connecting play as well. But that area, I think if they're, if Colorado is to beat Dallas this week, I think the midfield will be probably easily the most important part of, uh, you know, the, the, the game this week. So, yeah. yeah. No, I think, um, you know, I, Matt and I were talking uh, in the off season and what I referred to this three, four, three or three, four, uh, two, one, if you want to really mm-hmm. call it what some people are calling it, I've called it an empty bucket because the way they play price and the way they play Mark Anthony K, they play him kind of deep and yep. they look at them to kind of double pivot and swing balls to the quarters where they can hit up with Lewis or Barrios on either of the sides. Um, the, the only challenge of, or you can have Estevez bombing down the left or Keegan right. Ray bombing down the right, right? Like, but the only problem that you have out of that is you're missing the middle. And yeah. I think your point about, you know, Max, you know, where is Max? I think it's a big, <laughs> it's a big question. You know, before, before it was Max, they mm-hmm. were making do with Cole Bassett as kind of right. the dangerous dribbly number 10 who could, you know, pop up in all kinds of places. He did a lot of really great things. Um, and then what they brought Yunus Namli on board was to, to be that guy. And I think we thought that Max was going to be that guy. Mm-hmm. And it looks like Frazier just wants to bring him off the bench in the 75th minute to change the look. Right. And I think a lot of the fans are saying, no, 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 our look looks stale. Our look looks stale. Um, but we, so we need, we need that guy to start. Um, you know, I, I'm usually a trust the process kind of guy with coaches. I assume that if Max hasn't shown it in practice, that maybe he's not ready to do that. And I also think that like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it with the three, four, three, a little bit, but I don't know. I mean, I, I definitely feel what our, our, our friends of the podcast, our, our highliners have been screaming for, which is like, right. put this sizzle out on the field and see if he can cook, man. Exactly. That's not the worst mixed metaphor. <laughs> um, well, the thing is with Max, it's like, you know, coach Frazier, Robin has said how technical he is and how strong he is and just just like ready to go at it. And it's kind of like, okay, sure. It might take a while for him to integrate into where Robin sees him, you know, in his role and um, that sort of stuff. But at the same time, I mean, it's, it's, it's a tough kind of road game against uh, Dallas, but it's not the, you know, it's not Portland. It's not Seattle. Right. Like let's, let's see what he can do. I, I yeah. mean, I would love to see him out there for sure. So I, yeah. I mean, you're making, you're, you're also making the, it's a long season. Let's try some stuff kind of argument too, which I think my experience with Frazier over the last couple of seasons has been, he's more or less happy to roll out the same lineup, you know, he's, Pragmatic, he's, yeah. he's not, he's not really, you know, he's not hashtag play your kids and he's not really like throw some, throw some spaghetti at a wall and see if it sticks kind of right, guy. Right. Um, but you know, we can't criticize that because dude keeps making the playoffs. Exactly. And he, yeah, I mean, the Rapids have what the highest points per game total in the league um, yeah. over the last couple seasons. I yeah. mean, sure. Yeah. It, it, 
his system works and it's yeah it might um i don't know it, it just might use a little uh brazilian magic that's all that's all <laughs> Ooh, brazilian magic that's that's uh, that's a great name for a bikini wax place but we're not gonna <laughs> we're not gonna go there all right no. um uh, normally we end the show by just uh pivoting to uh ads and so on but i want to before we do that give a big shout out and a thanks to brendan plone who is um a sports writer for the denver post who covers the colorado rapids and all manner of chasa sports um and we're really glad to have you on our podcast and we really appreciate you taking the time to for talking to us today brendan do you have any overall things that you want to plug or promote potentially maybe your employer the denver post uh yeah i mean keep out keep uh watching the post for soccer coverage i mean i as i said earlier i'm hoping to expand and do some work on the nwsl um local denver women who are um crushing it in in you know across the pond and here in in america and you know the rapid stuff looking to do some in-depth features and stories and of course i always love hearing what you guys have to say on twitter and the mailbags and um yeah so keep reaching out that way and you can reach me on twitter at brendan plone um and yeah i can't just wait to keep uh interacting with you know such a great fan base i mean you guys really do care so much and i'm just happy to report on all manners of rapids world so support your local uh news folks make sure you get yourself a subscription to the denver post they have a good digital subscription if you don't like having to feel guilty about failing to read the paper uh yet again but you keep checking you know when you're on the toilet for the latest sports scores and you want to read Brendan's work, that's a great place to read Brendan when you have to poop. That's, a, that's an ideal place to do it. Um, listeners, uh, you can reach us. Well, I should get, I should do the ads part that Matt usually throws to me for. Um, our sponsors are Icarus FC and Roughneck Scarves. Uh, Icarus FC purveyors and makers of custom-made kits, uh, any color, any shape, any size. I love all, all the collar options that you can get for your bachelor party, for your pub team, um, for your U4 uh, team that is qualifying for the UEFA Championship. Um, Icarus FC and Roughneck Scarves, who make amazing custom-made scarves to keep your neck warm. We're still in spring when it is awfully cold. And again, they have a great, great, great stack of back um old versions of uh of usmnt and uswmt uh scarves um they have uh player specific ones for all of the women's national team um that they have on sale you should go get those now listeners if you want to reach me you can contact me at uh soccer underscore rabbi on twitter or you can reach matt at lws uh matt pollard you can also reach our friend uh, john babiak uh who is our staff photographer for holding the high line um he is at photog john b on twitter you can also email us uh you can write us you can support our work by becoming a highliner uh through our backpass uh substack 
uh, which is, sorry, I, I write the Substack, Brendan, and I can't even say this correctly. Um, Matt does this so well. This is actually a lot harder than it looks, people. Um, our Substack is called holdingthehighline.substack.com. I write my weekly backpass. Matt does a bunch of features. Um, we throw a bunch of bonus material up in there every once in a while. And if you like the written material or you like the podcast and you'd like to support us, $5 a month to become a Highliner or at the bargain price, if you pay it all up front of only $42 for the year, that also gets you a merch discount when we come up with merch. Matt and I have been talking about merch. We don't know what the merch is going to be. We're going to make merch though, for sure. Um, and finally, uh, you can also uh, contribute to us via Patreon. Um, and I don't really have that information on me right now. Listeners, we'll see you next week. Matt will probably be back from Europe, I think. Um, and we really hope that he will but if not uh we may ask for another guest host uh so reach out to us if you'd like to sit in on the radio with us see you next week peace